What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, episode 127, and today is part two of our epic Star Wars roundtable discussion. Adam, Josh, and Bill are back to talk more about the prequel trilogy, our thoughts on George Lucas as a director, the extended universe, uh, The Force Awakens, what we want to see from the future movies, and of course, the ever-controversial Jar Jar Binks character. But before we get into that, let me tell you about my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are an indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they are very important to this podcast, and that's because they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is Twin Peaks from their album, Murder Mystery Night, which you can find for free on Bandcamp. Just go to bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers, and you can get Murder Mystery Night for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. You can also get their EP Atomics on iTunes and Spotify, and be sure to follow them on social media. They're on Twitter and Instagram at Wranglers. Just search for the Unicorn Wranglers on Facebook, and check out their website, unicornwranglers.com. And without further ado, here is part two of our epic Star Wars roundtable. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. diamond. Experience! Right, so we're back from Pizza Break. Shout out to Pizza Hut. Ah, za, So we were talking about the prequels. George Lucas being great storyteller, not necessarily a great writer. But I did want to ask you guys, out of the prequels, which is your favorite and why? I, so Bill already laid I, out. I say Clone Wars. However, I will add, um, for Sith... You gotta love all the sabered battles. If nothing else, you gotta love. I that. agree with that. And it was the one thing that we've been waiting for since any any of us have started watching Star Wars. You want to see how Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader, right. and and Sith gave us that at least. Don't sass. So me. what? <laughs> so what? That Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader. You didn't like. He's not it. even the. No, he's not even the pinnacle of the. Other than you have you have uh, Palpatine or or the Emperor. There. No, He's not but even see the, the whole st- thing. the whole story is the Skywalker the, saga. Yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah, but or R two D two saga. Yeah, I feel like it's more R two D two saga. Do you see him take out those super battle droids? Gangster. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't give a lighter thumbs up. That's true. You got me on that one. Be I mean, it. looking at it, I. Sith, like I said, I think Sith had problems with, with. Ultimately, they didn't know how to flip Anakin. It was the they worst of the dialogue. It was really yeah, bad they, to me. They did not know how to actually flip Anakin, and it seems very rushed. Yeah, to use this like, oh, sh- you know, shoot, we couldn't do it in the second movie. This is our last chance to flip him. Uh, here we go. There you are. You're bad now. You know? One. So we talked about this during the pizza break. Uh, that I wish they would have gotten rid of Phantom Menace and made Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith into three movies. I don't need to see 
little Jake Lloyd running around building a pod racer. I don't need to see that he built C-3PO. That's why the machete order works so well, is that they get rid of that fluff, and they could have dove in deeper mm-hmm. into this that rage of... Because by all accounts... Now, granted, in the original trilogy, we don't see Darth Vader being much of a badass. Hey, but... A pawn to the emperor, but I, I don't. I don't agree with the the quick flip. I don't think it was a quick flip. I it was think, quick nah, flip. yeah, I thought I, I thought so too. No, I think it was happening little by little the whole prequels. But there was a big, Espe- leap. especially starting in Clone Wars. Now you it, had what the 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 Tuscan Raider scene on Tatooine where he freaks out and kills that, the Tuscan Raiders. That was part of it, and. As a Star Wars fan, you're going to think about all the in-between time. You're not just going to think about the movie, so I'm not going to even go there. You're going to think about all the in-between time. This entire time since Anakin got to Coruscant, Palpatine has been in his ear the whole time. And then we get that actually really great scene in Sith at the theater when Palpatine is talking about about Plagueis. Yeah, Plagueis. That's a great scene. And it really finalizes his hooks in Anakin. And see, I actually think that that's somewhere that I hope that the new trilogy goes into. Like is, the Snoke and... Yeah. Um, Plagueis Kylo. and all that. Yeah, I, I really hope that that goes there because that is a great scene. But I do agree with Adam in that we have this slow buildup and he goes from someone who maybe commits a crime of passion against the Tusken Raiders, to all of a sudden he is what we all know as the most evil person in the in the universe. And, I mean, there were surveys after Silence of the Lambs and everything came out, who's the most evil person in movies, and everybody said Darth Vader. Because he has no remorse, n- nothing other than, if I don't get my way, I'm going to kill you. Even if you're on my side, I'm going to kill you. And I think that's a really overlooked point in the beginning of, of Star Wars A New Hope is that he just straight up like chokes people that are on this the board the the, the chairman well, of the board he, he's also been in the dark side for more than 20 years at that point right but but I think it comes back to the flip I agree the flip to me he should have been he should have made the flip while he was still a Jedi he did but but in the sense of he should have kept being a Jedi even though he made the flip. So like kind of going it, undercover. Yeah, not that, oh, I flipped and now I destroy the Jedi. I wish he like, would have like carried out more in Order 66. Yeah. The Jedi was no more. I wish he would have gone out and killed more Jedi. Yeah. The, the, and see the, the, I mean, he does in the EU, but we're not talking about the EU. I get it. No. But he, that wasn't Palpatine's plan is the problem. He wasn't the master. Palpatine's plan was potentially centuries old, depending on where you get your information, because we don't really know how old Palpatine really and is. And he did start a war between two people that he he started both sides of the war. But if, so if you I say, get that. If you say that, then it comes back to the whole thing, the problem with the prequels, where Vader's just a pawn in the whole thing. Yes. But I... Every Sith apprentice Lucas is a pawn to his master. That. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I and I agree with that, but I but you make it about Vader's journey, not but it's, Palpatine's journey. Yeah, but it's it's to me the more the more it, interesting thing is, it's the redemption. 
it's the it's this like Josh said it's the Skywalker story. So it's the but I think it's shoehorned. It it's but the redemption the re- what's his redemption? What killing the halflings? No, um killing like, the emperor in Jedi. No, no, but I'm saying what was he's redeeming himself from? In the prequels, all it is is he's there, and like I said, he's he's sitting there, and he says, "No, the the emperor can't, or, or you know, Palpatine can't die. He must stand trial. This is the Jedi way. This is it." He and was all this doing stuff. that because because he wanted Palpatine to teach him how to save Padme. Right, but he wasn't. But, he but wasn't then, doing that. But then that. he kills Mace Windu, and he's now I'm yeah, going to you don't now I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to walk you in don't there and kill a whole bunch of. To be fair, people. he didn't kill Mace. He disarmed Mace. But, and Palpatine killed him. But you don't see him as... Don't roll your eyes at me. I'm going to roll your I, eyes. I, I, that was very much roll that, eyes. That, that deserves <laughs> an eye roll. But honestly, you don't see Darth Vader. He's just an accomplice. Yeah. And instead of the most evil thing ever, you see him as going, ah, yeah, you know what? I guess is, this is what I'm going to do. Like, all right, yeah. I, I guess I'll kill some folks for you, Emperor. And so that takes the focus away from the Skywalker saga, if you will, and makes it, well, the first three are really about the Emperor, but it did make Darth Vader, so that's why we made these movies. It was the, it was the, the hook that was the, it, it was, it was the, the flair to all the setup. The three, first three movies was just a setup episode for A New Hope. And the, the nugget, the little candy at the end of the trail was you get to see Darth Vader they put the armor on Darth Vader. Right. Which was spoiled with the no. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the Padme thing doesn't even make sense. She's like sitting there all episode two, like saying, you're creepy. I don't like you. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh my God. I'm going to have you, baby. Let's have babies. No, that's, that's Jedi I'm like swag. 20 years older than you? Nah, like four Maybe that's how my four or five. Years? No, she was no. only thirteen she's or fourteen. Queen. Yeah, she's a queen. She was. Yeah, but she was so fifteen to nine. The youngest, six, six, the youngest queen ever elected. She was a teenager. Oh no, like she 14, wasn't the youngest queen ever elected. But, she, but, but she I mean, wasn't, if she's eighteen and he's seven. No, she wasn't eighteen. She was like fourteen. Yeah, yeah, she was probably mid-teens. And see, that's why people have and, said that Ray is probably mid to late teens, not over eighteen. And and at most, Anakin at um. Nine-ish. Not Jake Lloyd, yeah, nine, ten, eleven, you know. So there's 11? there's there's yeah. an eight. I'm just you know there's short eleven year olds, whatever. Um, All it does is give me hope that I still can get with Natalie Portman, right? Is that is that where we're going with this? She's something like that. She's okay. got a kid. I don't care. Garden State, so good, so good. Garden State reference. I did not <laughs> expect that tonight. Uh, what was that movie she was in where she was Susan Sarandon's daughter? Who cares? She was hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Susan right, so, Sarandon, or right. who? Yes. Who was the? Was it Janine Garofalo that told the the joke that she doesn't actually have a vagina? It's just a, it's just a suggestion. <laughs> Derek, <laughs> sounds, sounds like Derek, I'm gonna need you right now. At that point, <laughs> no. But so let, let me uh, bring you to this. Good. This is something I've thought about and I've asked about and didn't get much response on. All right, let's just go totally superfluous and go. Who is the hottest of the female leads? All right, because I'm frankly in love Corbin. with all of them. I love Jen, even though I don't even know Jen Urso yet. I love her character. I love this this bad girl gone good type thing. Ray, God, she's just gorgeous. Natalie Portman is Queen Amidala or Princess Leia. Well, I mean, if I you had to choose one, that definitely Portman. I mean, 
Ray, I don't have a huge attraction to. And Leia, I don't know, man. Like, it never, I've never been one of those Star Wars nerds that is like, oh, I gotta have the, you know, girl in the bikini. Like, it's never been a thing for me. Nah, man. And I'm, I'm even, I, I would prefer Leia in the uh, Empire. I I agree. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. (laughs) Maybe it's just a generational thing because I also watch those movies and in the back of my head somewhere is like, this was filmed 30 years ago. <laughs> See, that never hit. I guess I'm just a creepy guy, man. I'm like, oh, yeah, hot chick. Now, I will say this. For everything that um, Carrie Fisher has gone through. Oh, yeah. For every all of her weight issues or depression weight, issues or drugs. Exactly. Yeah. All, all of her things that she's overcome. For her advanced age, like she, I would still, you know... Take her to a movie. I'd, I'd ignite my lightsaber, you know. <laughs> Backtracking a little bit. <laughs> Jen so hottest ever. Thank you, Felicity. Love you. Backtracking to the, the flip with Anakin. I would say not just that, but the whole Sith taking over was rushed. Like, I was not a fan of the whole Order 66. To but me, it, it was... But it wasn't, though. It was a quick... It took decades, at least. Yeah, but, but, like, the way but, it was portrayed on screen, it was not, like... Why not show those decades of Order 66 being programmed in? And uh, that That's what's missing. You sit there, and you just... All of a sudden, it's... Yeah, kill the Jedi. Jedi are like, dead. Oh, Mace Windu's dead. The Emperor looks like the Emperor because he's got a wrinkly face. And we're going to kill all the Jedis. And we've got, let's hey. see, 20 minutes to wrap up the Obi-Wan thing and get on to episode four. Let's go, guys. Exactly. It's a it's a movie. You can't jam everything in there like that. But, but you, you have to. He had the vision. He was supposed to have had the vision episode of Episode two. We wasted episode two where you could have already put all this stuff in motion. It was. No. no. And so what that tells me, though, is that George Lucas did not have a full plan when he, he started. No, I agree with you, Josh. And that, he that's what I'm it sure says. He, I'm sure he didn't. But at the same time, he still had... not Well, not he still didn't, but the movies... I don't know how to explain it to you guys. It's just going to be a, a wheelie argument. Yeah, I, I mean, I just like I said, looking at it, it just it, there's something that that just didn't feel right maybe, about maybe the it's flip. Maybe it's because I read all the expanded universe maybe, stuff and maybe. and I do all and and I have tried I, and when, so hard. Well, no, no one and you don't to to love Star Wars. You don't have to read every single book or comic. But when I watch the movies now, I have all this extra information in my head. So when I watch Clones, when I watch Revenge of the Sith, I see all these other thing, all this other Star Wars knowledge. But even without it, you do get little tidbits. And it could be more. And let me. It, it could be a lot more. Let me address though the EU a little bit. I tried. I really tried. The problem is, is it's too qu- much. Well, and the quality of some of it is just crap. It is. And you, so any good content you get is just buried underneath some dude's nerd porn. You know that that just happened to know somebody who'd publish it, and th- that's all it is. Is like. There are some really quality books. Um, at a certain point, you have to go for authors. Right, and I get that, but I've tried so hard to get into it. I, Like I said, I read Aftermath. Aftermath sucks. It's a terrible book, but I, I needed it so bad just to know what happened between Jedi and A Force Awakens. 
and I didn't... You didn't get it? I didn't get it, and I got a shitty story instead. I got this story of of uh, a failed admiral and a stupid piece-together robot. That's what I got. There's, um, if I may recommend something to kind of expand on how Palpatine was able to do this... Read the Darth Bane books. Those are, I've heard those heard are great. This. I've heard this. Those are some of the best, not just Star Wars books, because they they don't feel, at least the first one, doesn't feel like a Star Wars story. It feels like a Sith story. And it's it's absolutely flooring. And I don't remember if it was at the end of the first one or the second one, but there are several passages which reference, maybe it take quote unquote, it might take centuries, but... The Sith will rule the galaxy. Should do, the Sith rule the galaxy? Do now. Now here's a question on the Sith. Do you think in the writing of the Sith story, it, it handcuffed the story with there there can only be two? I don't think so. I, I think it's something that makes them stand out yeah. from the Jedi, and they can operate more in the shadows because. And with mass numbers, you can't really do that. And I think it yeah. actually takes away from the legitimacy of the Jedi. The Jedi have this whole, hey, yeah, you know what? If you're good and you have the Metachlorians, ah, you know what? Let's go out there and swing a lightsaber at it. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think that the Sith make it a special thing. Like, uh, yeah. And this is what I'm talking about. This is one of those topics where because I have all this other you know, EU <laughs> knowledge that I, I feel like I can't get into the conversation because it's like, well, that's true, but thousands of years ago. But you don't know all the ins and outs, man. <laughs> but you didn't know about... When, you don't know about the two Sith rule. When do you first learn about the two Sith rule? Phantom um, Menace. Phantom Menace. Phantom yeah. Menace. So, so you you go three movies. Well, movie with, wise, yes. Yeah, you go three yeah, movies yeah. with the Emperor, who we now know was in the the first part, and it, it wasn't mentioned. We don't even get the Emperor until Empire. Yeah. Right. Right. So right, you, right. you you only think of Vader. Yeah, and that's why we go back to the whole thing of the it's rushed because it needs to be Darth Vader's flip. But yeah. anyway, I'm sorry. I, yeah, well, and all right now, now here's here's a here's a fun fan theory, Derek. I'm gonna throw right at your direction right now. Okay, yeah, Derek, you've been quiet. All right, is some people say that the prequels should be about Obi Wan? Thoughts? I don't disagree with that. You're talking about the the YouTube series. Like I am ha- talking like about how the, the prequel series, series should yeah. have been. I think George Lucas had this theory that the prequels were told through the eyes of the Jedi, and the original trilogy was told through R two and three PO. I do think they should have been more Obi Wan centric because you yeah. and McGregor. It was obvious from. To me, episode two, that he was the best actor, the the highlight of that whole trilogy. So yes, I think it should have been about his story because a big part of it is him. I mean, he, you know, it was he took it upon himself after his master died to train this kid that he yeah. didn't really want to train in the beginning, and then ultimately failed. And that's that's kind of a the classic tragic story. Yeah, I mean, and Obi Wan, you know is my favorite character. I don't know if I mentioned that when we were talking about it um, earlier, but... I think it's because his time is so short in the original trilogy, as far as, yeah. like, physical. You know, because he hated it. Yeah, because he hated it. But, but you know, his time's so short there, but but he's such a presence throughout the whole original yeah. three 
that even even though Yoda's training him and doing all the stuff, there there's not the sense of trust that there is when when Obi Wan appears before Luke. There is a sense of trust there. Yeah, that goes way beyond his sense of trust with Yoda. And then yeah. he immediately breaks it. Yeah. That's why I think Obi-Wan's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side. Yes. But I, I, I agree with that. I think, I think if it was more... The I don't, problem is, is that Lucas always envisioned this as the Skywalker story. Mm-hmm. Now, he did. What's funny is hit, the spinoff movies were his idea. He loved the idea of we have this the tree of Star Wars, so to speak. The Skywalkers are the trunk, and you have all these branch stories. It's a huge galaxy. It is, and I love that idea, and I hate that, and I can't remember the name of it, but there was supposed to be a live-action drama uh, oh, yeah, yeah. that was supposed to come out. Uh, there, were, there was a video game that got completely scrapped that... It was, it was a great video game. 1313? That was at 1313. That looks so, so good. And oh so there's God. all that stuff. There's a lot of content out there that could have been legitimized. Yeah. That was canceled when Disney bought Lucasfilm. It was in trouble before that. Yeah. So, you know, I just... Lucas... God bless him, man. He gave us this great gift. And then he shit all over it. I just going back to the Obi Wan thing. I think yeah. I could see Vader. The story of the prequels be, is that that Vader was Obi Wan's greatest failure. Yeah, right. And and it really didn't feel that way. It no. didn't feel like Obi Wan really had anything to do. Obi Wan didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't stumble. He didn't cut. It, it was all of the Emperor, and it was all that, and it was all Padme, and it was all of Anakin's own doing too. And it really wasn't. But even he, then, he Anakin has was to blame himself. Pawn. Though, yeah, he was always a pawn. And I think a more a more gritty story would be Obi Wan's failure, and then ultimately moving into to the to Episode Four, kind of having to confront that that failure. Finally, after all these years of exile and all this, year I of screwed up so on. bad and made the most evil Sith yeah. in the world. Because if you think about it, he didn't just fail Anakin; he failed Qui Gon. Yeah, and the whole Jedi. And the whole Jedi. filled the universe. Yeah. You know? And, but we don't get that. We don't have that sense. And I feel like that's more of a... Uh, has more substance than I just... Think, I think we get... Anakin being toyed with. I think we get a little bit of that at the end of Sith on the Musafardo. Nowhere the extent of what you're talking about. You were about. supposed to be the chosen... Or you were to be the chosen one or whatever. Not, not, yeah. e- not even that. Not even that. In, in just a few lines when he's like, I will do what I must. And... After he cuts Anakin down and he he breaks down again, it's all terrible to watch. But it's it's just the thing of like at least he's saying it. Like you have to think about what Obi Wan is feeling. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> but 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 Bill, not, I'm not trying to discount you know. But but to kind of go back to Derek's. No, I mean point. the prequels are shit. To go back, what? To <laughs> Whoa, yay! All right, thanks. To go back to Derek's High five, point, please. Uh, yeah, Obi Wan didn't even want to train him in the first. Obi Wan sided with the Jedi Council. It was right. Qui Gon, right? Who it was all goes back to Liam Neeson training Batman, training Darth Vader. Now here's a question: I've If Qui Gon had lived and trained Anakin, do you think 
Anakin would have still turned because yes. because that might be an, another point. Well, I don't know. That might be another point to Obi Wan quote unquote failing him. Obi Wan wasn't ready to be a teacher. Yeah. O- Obi Wan, you know, he got, had just technically become a Jedi, and really, even then, he was still a Padawan. Or if the Yoda reason, was training Obi Wan, what's that? If uh, if Yoda was the one training Obi Wan, would all of this have happened? Well, it's the same yeah. lineage, right? But Yoda, Yoda trained Dooku, Qui-Gon. Dooku trained Qui Gon, Qui Gon trained Obi Wan, right? But but he didn't receive all the training, right? Ultimately. Yeah, I, I mean you, that. That's I mean obviously we play what if games all night. Oh yeah, yeah. But, but 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 I mean that's kind of the fun part is what if what if that was Qui Gon survived and it was ultimately a little bit of jealousy between Obi Wan and this kid that drove ultimately drove Anakin to the dark side. I, I mean you could play that all all day. Yeah. yeah, I mean but but I think you could see there there would be a lot more. I guess dynamic relationships than just the one that we ended up getting, and I mean it's easy to play devil's advocate or well, you know, hindsight's always. I think that's easy. that's where um, the new canon stuff is great. Not just the books, but like even just the show, the Clone War show. You you get a lot of decent character depth in there, a lot a lot more character development. Um, it's good to see more Anakin Obi Wan interaction. So. There are outlets. I prefer the uh, Lego series. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, have you seen that, though? Mm-hmm. The droid tales and all that. Have you seen those? I have not. Those are the funniest thing. The Lego stuff there. is hilarious. First of all, they kill Jar Jar in every episode. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> like, And it's just, it's so hysterical. And they make fun of themselves, but it is still Star Wars branded. It's not like it's somebody doing a parody of Star Wars. It's really funny. What about Jar Jar? Oh, man. If it would have been Michael if, Jackson, I think it would have been a different story. If there was no Jar Jar in Phantom Menace, is it a better movie? Yes. 100%. Is it... Like, does it does it raise it up in the ranks of the prequels? Or no. Does it, no. It just makes it a better movie. Yeah. But that movie was full of... of Even Lucas has said, if we can get this character to work. But he had to have the character. Yeah, because you know, that's, that's only that's makes the sense thing. with the ending. And he loves that character, and he had to shoehorn that in and the Trade Federation xenophobia there where they're all some racist Asian stereotype there, too. Yeah. I, I didn't mind the... I, I thought the, the, the whole Trade Federation kind of taking blockading the plant. I thought that was kind of a cool... I, I didn't mind the Trade because Federation. Because you kind of come into it in like a normal day-to-day, this would be something that a Jedi would take care of. You know, it, right. so I felt like it was natural. The Jar Jar stuff just. And I saw how to tie the room together, but it doesn't mean it had a look. It was good. not like a, a rug. really good rug. <laughs> it was not a very good rug. I'm sorry. No, and we're it, not going to go to Mr. Lebowski's over here. Oh, can we have a Lebowski? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, right, the so the Lebowski. Uh, but <laughs> Bunny says you're good for it. <laughs> <laughs> married? Do you think I'm married? Toilet seat's not even down. Obviously, you're not a golfer. <laughs> um, Obviously, I'm housebroken. <laughs> but uh, I still write checks for milk when I go to the store. <laughs> Sixty-nine cents for half and half that you drink out of. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, we got digress. <laughs> but I just think that Jar Jar was one of those. So the Ewoks 
were one of those appeals to children. And that was the whole reason that we had Ewoks was, hey, we've got to appeal to this younger generation. Makes you think of the whole Muppets craze that happened around that time. Right. And so then Lucas says, I really want this this movie to appeal to a younger audience. I really want to have that, that comedic foil. So he invents this Jar Jar character. But instead of being a background character, instead of being some sort of, again, a foil... He plays too much of an important role throughout the movie. And then he's just... The actor did a good job. The concept, though, was just terrible. Yeah. It's too silly. It's it's Jim Carrey thrown into the the Star Wars universe. Well, Derek, Derek we were talking about it today, about, about, you know, lightheartedness and adding it into to serious things. Like, you know, and even in horror films and things like that, tragedies you would find areas where they put humor to basically kind of let you recoup some yeah. of what you've just kind of gone through. And I think that's that's very healthy in, in screenwriting and stuff like that. But, Josh, to your point, Jar Jar became way too much of a, well, a, and so a, C- of a plot point. So C-3PO you know? was the comedic foil yes. in, the first, in the first trilogy. And he had his serious points. He, he served a function... Mm-hmm. And then he had this kind of dry-witted humor that he would kind of poke you with. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't silly. It wasn't. It wasn't this slapstick where literally everything Jar Jar did, everything yeah. he said was slapstick. His entire speech pattern was slapstick. Yeah. Like I said, it's Fire Marshal Bill, yeah, thrown into the Star Wars galaxy, and I feel really bad for the actor because he pulled it off. He did what he was supposed to. Yeah, and I've seen great interviews with him where he's done a great job. And I remember seeing an interview with him about Michael Jackson insisting that he had to be Jar Jar Binks. And that would have been an entirely different thing. (laughs) Jamona. But that whole concept was Jake Lloyd would have been very mad at Star Wars for a very different reason. Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) Ah, uh, some Jesus juice. <laughs> oh, jeez. What was it? Jedi juice. That's what yeah. he called it. Yeah. You no, want the- some <laughs> No, the. You want to be a strong Jedi? Complete with a monkey. The whole Jar Jar <laughs> thing. <laughs> the whole Jar Jar thing was just. I get. I get it. Misa pedophile. <laughs> what's what's the what's the goofiest thing about the originals though? So the goofiest? Ooh, yeah. Um, uh, what's the nuts? The guards and Jedi. Yeah, those that, yeah. that get not even the guard Jabba's palace. Yeah, the the ones that like after uh the Rancor. Is, oh, is the Rancor and they're trainer. like consoling each other. Yeah, yeah. the Rancor trainer. They're like, and so though I actually kind of bought into that because obviously, if you're gonna have this giant creature, somebody has to care for it. Just like if you're at SeaWorld and you have an orca, so what if the orca eats somebody? Somebody cared for that orca day in and day out, and now all of a sudden you had to put it down. Yeah, I kind of get that, but yes, it was the goofiest thing in the world is 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 the guy sitting there crying over the rancor. That God, that that is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, but like, is there anything in A New Hope or in Empire that was just over the top goofy? Uh, in Empire, maybe the 
um, Minox. The Minox. They weren't really silly. It was just like, meh. Well, well now the, there's the deleted scene, though, of C-3PO. You know, the, the door they almost go into was full of wampas mm-hmm. in a deleted scene inside the Rebel base on Hoth. Yeah. And that, I thought, was pretty funny. And that would have been over the top. But I can't think of anything else. You know, C-3PO reminds me of my mom so much. <laughs> right down to the way he walks. I want to I want to hear this. It is, you know, the how, you know, she's an older woman now. But even before when she was, you know, younger, she always kind of walked kind of... Gingerly. Yeah, just kind of slow, but gingered pace. And, and the mindset is very similar. Kind of a, you know, she's very... Oh, what are you doing, hon? Okay, you know, and and just always a little bit worried. And C three PO is obviously like, uh, we're we're not gonna fly into that asteroid field, right? Because, you know, there's there's space over there. Do you, you guys? Don't, you don't need to go into the asteroid field, right? Do you guys think it's weird that C three PO is actually worried about itself? <laughs> you know, like it's a rope. Yeah, but, but I it's think it's very like I've got to protect myself, you know. Like it's almost what is it sen- sentient? sentient. Yeah, yeah. So let's say like it's having a sen- sentient <laughs> protocol droid. But I almost think though that that's part of why people developed protocol droids, and you yeah. see that one of the first things you see in even a Phantom Menace is that protocol droids are kind of an essential tool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that. They have to communicate with the other machines. But to do that, it probably has to have some empathy. Well, and if you have a... Versus R2-D2, who's just a sarcastic... Yeah, if you have a protocol droid with you, even even in that like type of setting, if it's worried about itself and it can compute all the dangers, then it can relay those dangers to you where you right. might not be able to compute, compute I f- them. I feel like that's a... You know? I feel like maybe that's a program, though, where it, you know, you like, it can compute all the different dangers and odds... But I don't think it's really concerned about itself. I think that's a program that it's worried about its masters. Yeah. But it plays it off as it's worried about itself. Yeah, I, I would agree to that. That's why I'm actually really excited to see this uh, K2SO Yes, in Rogue One. That's actually probably the thing that I'm most excited about is the anti C three PO. Now is it he has that like really dry dark sense he, of and humor. he's an Imperial draw an Imperial okay, draw. Maybe say, is it the same one from maybe Clone Wars very that Tars like would help the very so. very Tars like. Yeah. Very Tars like okay. I wanna go back Tars. I wanna go back to Force Tars. Awakens Come on, for, Tars. A, for a second. I'm spinning in my chair. Yeah, right let's now. go back Bef- there. Before I before I forget about this. I guess I'm kind of the keeper of the expanded universe on this round table. Yes you are. And I wanna take the time to say how much I appreciated JJ's expanded universe throw-ins. One of the the big one being Ben. Now, for those that don't know, there was a Ben Skywalker. Right. And, you know, spoilers, he did turn to the dark side, if I'm not mistaken. Or no. um, Wasn't Luke in... uh the chick was a redhead of some sort, wasn't Mara Jade? Mara Mar- Mar- Jade. Jade was Luke's um, wife. That's that's the hottie. <laughs> Give but, us um, Mara Jade. You know, there wasn't time to, like, because, Adam, to your point, there, they didn't take the time to flip Anakin. And to their credit, they didn't try to force a Mara Jade Luke kind of thing. Maybe we'll get some of that in 9 and 10. Or 8 and 9, rather. We're going to get 10, yeah. 
Uh, maybe we'll get some in eight and nine, but they went with a relationship that was already established. Han and Leia, and you know they have children. They have um, two or three kids, but Ben is also recognizable. You know, you know what Ben is from, right? And I, I just I liked that throw in of you know we're going to call this character Ben, who has these other dark side issues, and just the way he mashed it. I thought it worked really well. And on top of that, in the Yuzan Vong books, um, Chewie dies in the first book. Fans wrecked shit over it. Um, and obviously in Force Awakens, they flip it to where Han dies. And there's reasons be- reasons why it's better for him to die. Um, but again, you mean I just, Harrison Ford going, I don't want, yeah, do that being the big one, I I'm, don't want to do another one of these weird space movies. What uh, the hell is this crap? Yep. Um, give me I, back my family. Do I have a whip? No. All right. I'm out. Yeah. Um, can I jump from a waterfall? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> Still, that's a great movie. Oh, it is. But yeah, when when Han Solo screamed out Ben over the chasm, yeah, it, ga- was, it gave me chills. I agree there, and that's why I think. And it's, it's like so, he's named Ben. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, <laughs> might as well name him Lester. Yeah, yeah. Pete. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> well, kind of, kind of going off of that. <laughs> let, mean, let let's dive right into. Force Awakens. Yeah. You know, Disney bought Lucasfilm. They announced, oh, we're going to do a new trilogy, which I thought would never happen. Yeah. No, I was. And if it it happened, I would have been one of those. I have to watch this crap. But God, I got to watch it. Yeah. And then when the first teaser came out. I remember it it was Black Friday. Mm -hmm. And I remember. The internet broke. Well, I remember being in the mall doing some Black Friday shopping. And going, oh my god, it dropped. My wife going, what dropped? What broke? I ran to the food court and sat down. And watched the trailer probably 15 times in a row. And then... Chewie, I heard, we're home. No, but that, well, that wasn't in the original tr- that was the That was the second teaser. I remember being sitting in the mall. And watching it a few times. And then all of a sudden, I hear like four tables down. A black stormtrooper! No way! <laughs> I'm going, what? Oh, God. And so I knew, though, but like I knew what a big deal it was. And, like, I mean, I, I downloaded the trailer and watched it a lot, trying to figure out what was going on. But here's the question Did they do it? You know what I mean? Like, where, you have to sit there and go, all right, where is it ranked in all seven now Star Wars movies? And did they do what they were supposed to do? Kind of carry the torch, move it away from the George Lucas era, fix all the wrongs of the prequels, and launch us into this new Disney world where they want to make Star Wars the new Marvel, where they can make 100 movies, you know, hey, spin off here, spin off there, here's the main tree, we're going to make an Iron Man movie, so we're going to make an Obi-Wan movie, but then we're still going to make some Skywalker movies, so did they do that? And, I mean, what were your feelings on that? I think they accomplished everything they wanted to. I have mixed feelings on the basically having a Star Wars movie every year. Part of me is against it because 
everyone can attest to how special it is. Doesn't matter how much it sucked. Whenever you saw there was a new Star Wars movie, you felt something as a nerd. As a Star Wars fan, it was rare to have a Star Wars movie, and you understood how special it was. However, being a Star Wars fan, movie every year, sweet, you know. And even though it doesn't matter for us, you know, Disney kiboshing, you know, all of the continuity and like any just what we produce now is, you know, canon. Okay, make all this content then that we all love. And I think they're headed in the right direction there. The problem that I have is that at some point with so many Star Wars movies, because essentially we're promised that we're going to go from having three to six to nine. Oh, wait, we're now going to add another three of these spinoffs. So now we're going to have 12 movies. There's going to be a dud. There's going to be something that is just yeah. absolutely shit awful. But yeah. I, I, to, to counter your point, I would say... Or maybe they got that, that out of the way with the with, Hey, Or we're going to go the James but, Bond route. But with the yeah, and you could use that as an example. I mean, you could you could look many, at those films. And you're you're kind of a Bond. Let me yes, ask I you am. how many how many Bond films are there? Uh, Roughly, like twenty five. Okay, so twelve. If you cut twenty, if you cut the worst twelve out, you'd say that man, we've got a really good franchise. Yeah, you got you got a really good franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and I think. With, but if it's gonna make money, you're gonna make the movie. I, I think with. To counter your point, though, Josh, is with the new kind of format, they're going to have to sink a lot of time, effort, money into the saga, to the the sky. What we've been talking about, the Skywalker family saga, you know, the 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 episodes. They're going to sink a lot of money in. I don't think those will ever dud per se, or they would dud in like how we talk about the prequels, you know, where it's kind of afterthought. Like ten years down the road, we sit there and say, "God, that was a bad movie." I think if if there's a dud in those those spinoffs, I think it's okay. You know, it's, yeah. it's not gonna it's got it's not gonna cast detriment over the franchise in any way. It's just gonna be ah, that one didn't work out. You know, but they have the unique ability to kind of hold true and, and say we're gonna take our time with the story, but we're gonna make some money and we're gonna give fans a different look at the galaxy with these spinoffs. If they don't work. It's not really the end of the world. We're kind of doing it for me. It's not going to hurt fun. Disney in any way. Yeah, it, we're kind of doing these for fun and to make some money and to give some fans a different look at the universe. But yeah. do do you? I put this to you guys. Do you think while it might not hurt, do you think like you know it'll inflate it and and devalue? Now, one thing I did want to say, and I don't want to play the fanboy here, but it's just a question because I. I compare it to Marvel because Disney owns Marvel Studios as well. We keep thinking eventually there's going to be a dud. I mean, there may be some that we like or dislike more than others, but financially, we're thinking, oh, eventually there's going to be a dud. I know a lot of people thought Ant-Man was going to be a dud. It made money, and it was critically received well. Ant-Man was a good change of pace for the Marvel Exactly. And you can say financially there hasn't been a Marvel dud yet. The same thing could happen with Star Wars. I mean, yeah. we could say, oh, this spinoff probably won't be that great, but it could still do well. Every big movie will release will always be 
the quote unquote best movie in the world. Well, in opening weekend, it'll it'll that's it's not a real title. It Disney made a calculated effort, and this is going to be kind of something that drives, and this is why TV's actually gotten so good is that mid-level films have gone away because of Disney's model. Disney owned a lot of these side studios. And the side studios were given enough money to make a quality picture without it being an indie film. And make a picture in it, okay, it made a profit. Disney made a concerted effort when they bought Marvel, when they bought the franchise of, of Star Wars. They got rid of all these side studios. I don't know if you noticed, there's no more touchstone pictures, and there's no more of any of that stuff going on. There are major studios. Disney got rid of all the stuff that's not a safe bet. They know that Marvel, they know that Star Wars, they know that Universal knows that Harry Potter, they're safe bets. And it kind of puts a squeeze on that middle tier of good films, but it also means that Disney is going to put resources forward to make sure that, at the worst, we're going to get a mediocre film, not a terrible film. And yeah. while part of me feels that we're going to get a really bad Star Wars film, another part of me says that Disney is committed enough in terms of resources. I mean, you saw the casting that they did for the young, uh, the young Han Solo movie. They did one of the largest casting calls ever. To find the right Han Solo. And that's the type of thing no other movie studio could have done. It tells me that they're committed to making sure that we at least don't have a terrible Star Wars. As much as part of me feels we're going to get one of those. that it's can, gonna be- can we with the subject matter? And see, that's the thing is, I try to look at stuff. Part of me is a fanboy. I'm a huge fanboy. But I do the same thing with sports. I always try to look at realism... I'm a huge Red Sox fan, but man, I know our weaknesses. I'm not the t- I'm not an Alabama fan going, we've won 30 national championships. We could beat the Browns and I'd probably beat the Cowboys this year. No, I'm not that type of fan. I'm not the type of Star Wars fan. And yeah, I had to have an Alabama dig in there. But I look at the realism of it and yeah, look, the fans amongst us, we're going to eat up everything that they give us. We're going to go see it. We're going to break box office records. We're going to buy stuff. It's a lot like Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad sucked. It was a bad movie. And yet they have legions of fans that gave it money. Lots of money. It did really well. I think to your point, Josh, you will never have a commercial dud with a Star Wars film. You're never going to not make money. You're going to just have critical duds where the critics aren't going to like it. The fans... Might not take to it, and you can make the argument that there's already been duds in the franchise, you know. Yeah, yeah you can make one, you can make three. those those arguments, you know, and and so you know, I I think I think Disney has what they like. I said they have a plan going forward. I think this might be the best thing for the franchise. Now we all sitting here at this table, like I said, grew up on the original trilogy, lived through the first. Uh, through the three prequels, and now there's going to be a new generation that I like that we're nerd refugees almost. We made almost. it through the prequels. Yeah. Well, we lived through the prequels. Th- those movies came out during our during our time, and now the new crop of generation of kids these will be their movies. 
and we will hang on to our originals and we will say that they are the best things ever. And but I do I do honestly believe that the movies that they're going to make will I think way down the line overshadow the originals. And that's a bold statement. I'm taking a break. Have you guys seen because we've said this word many times, have you guys actually seen Fanboys? Yes. Yes. Good. It's a great movie. The the last piece of dialogue says every sums up all three prequels, almost a decade of filmmaking in one piece of dialogue in a comedic movie. What if the movie sucks? What if the movie sucks? And I uh, man, one of my favorite things to do is go back and watch and see the reaction of people to the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. as they're leaving the theater. And I remember seeing all these reaction shots, and I remember there was just one guy. And he's like, man, it really didn't do it for me. (laughs) And everybody's like, boo, you're terrible. You know, guys walking out in their Skywalker and Darth Vader costumes going, man, it was the best thing I've ever seen. And then all of a sudden, yeah, all right. The euphoria wore off. Yeah. It was all euphoric. Put it in perspective. Right. And I just... I always want to go back and find that one guy that was like, eh, this wasn't that good. Because he's sitting there, he's he's just saying, but it's none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's Thank Kermit you, Kermit. With the, with the Lipton iced tea. Kind of going off of that, there's a documentary. It's one of my favorites I've ever seen. It's on the original Episode 1 DVD set. It's called yes. The Beginning. The Making of, yes. So good. Very good documentary. So good. The ending is... I think it was was it New York or L.A. where they had the movie premiere? It was it was L.A. It was LA. Yes, that is correct. No, it wasn't even there. I don't think it was Chinese. It, I don't even. I don't think it was. God, I don't even remember. I, I can't remember where it was. I don't think it was the Chinese, but it doesn't matter. It was. Yeah, the thing is like seeing the I excitement for that movie, and it reminded me of the excitement for the Force Awakens because it was the first Star Wars movie that had been made in so long, and seeing you know. This guy was dressed in a full tuxedo and had like this crazy wig on, and he's got an uh, arm full of plastic lightsabers, and he's running through the theater screaming like a kid. And he, sa- he said it, right? He's like, I haven't felt this since 1977. Yes. And I remember seeing A Force Awakens with, I mean, with you guys, actually. And mm-hmm. I, I remember, though, such a cautious optimism. I remember going, all right, they can't screw this up that bad. But I remember not letting myself get too I far was, into it. I was the same way. And I remember even coming out of it so critical of it. And I like literally right as I walked out of the movie, I'm going, well, it was a lot like A New Hope. Why'd they have to have another Death Star? Like, I was the biggest Debbie Downer. And then it grew on me. And then I went and saw it in the theater the second and the third and fourth. And I think I, I capped out at five. Five times in the theater. You're and weak. Yeah, and, well, but you have to understand, now I watch it daily, yeah, I daily. I can and watch I'd it. Never weak, get, weak as in he didn't go enough or he went too much? Yeah, he, went, he didn't go enough. Oh. Uh, this is the guy that saw Interstellar eight times. What is, is Interstellar? I, no, whoa, no. My daughter's into Interstellar. Oh. <laughs> Tesseract. <laughs> the Tesseract, man. Takes you to the fourth dimension. Where, where I want a hot going? dog. <laughs> 
favorite line in the movie. John Lithgow going, I want, I want a, a hot I want, dog. I want a hot dog. Uh, uh, that and I love Anne Hathaway. She's yeah. in... That's it. Next female lead in Star Wars has got to be Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Making I would this be happen. okay with that. Making this happen. I liked her Catwoman. Yeah. A lot of oh, people yeah. didn't. I, I don't know why. I thought, I, I thought yeah. she did a really good job. Because it Catwoman. wasn't Catwoman. It was Selena Kyle. Yeah. And she was a great Selena Kyle. Yeah. There was no actual Catwoman in that Nolan verse. Sorry, guys. I liked her in Havoc. <laughs> anyway. Thanks, Derek. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Thank you, buddy. I'll say the anticipation to Force Awakens, like, I was excited for it, but I was, like you, trying not to get my hopes up too much. But I'm not going to lie. Once we sat in the theater... Hold that, on. Hold on. Hold on. No. When... Dare I because I was sitting next to you, Derek. Because I made a point to sit next to you because <laughs> I really wanted to see your reaction throughout the film. God, when that crawl opened up, I have never seen Derek display so much emotion at one that was because moment. The, by the way, that was a terrible crawl. Just to like, I read it and I was like, like the description I don't even, of it. I don't even yeah, remember what the it actual says. crawl, like Luke Skywalker is missing. Yeah, eh. it reminded me of the Revenge of the Sith one yeah. a little bit. But anyway, but like it really didn't. Hit, it didn't really hit me until the lights dimmed, and I'm like, "Oh shit, this is actually happening." You're we're actually about, about to watch. We're Star about Wars. to watch a new Star Wars. My wife caught me with a tear in my eye, and like that. I'm pretty it, sure I, I know you're laughing. I, I know you're laughing. <laughs> but so here's what you got to understand, man. Like we, this is the third time, and now having a me having a kid. Star Wars has been spaced out just long enough. To where a generation grows up with it. My brother's generation grew up with that original trilogy, and I kind of came in on that back end of it. My generation grew up with the Star Wars trilogy. And now, and hopefully it's better than the second one, my kid gets to grow up with the Star Wars trilogy. And that means something, man. I mean, I know it's just a movie, but I think about it all this. It's more than that. Well, I think about all the time that I spent playing with Star Wars toys, reading, even now, reading on the internet how much I dedicate to Wikipedia. It transcends. Yeah. I mean, it's not just a freaking movie. It it's really not just is. a movie. It, it changed culture. Yeah. And so that's, that's why, yeah, even though The Crawl was probably the worst of the movies, I got like a tear in my eye when, when I saw it. When you see that logo pop up and you hear the fanfare, that's it. There's just nothing like it. That's why Rogue One, man. I'm gonna be weirded out with no crawl. It's gonna be different. It will be. What do you hope to see from the future movies, like Episode Eight, other spinoffs? I I definitely want to see more Knights of Ren. I want to know. I want to know more about the Jedi Order and what happened to it. First and foremost, not, not not necessarily Luke, although that's obviously icing on the cake. I want to know what happened with the Jedi Order because it was obviously destroyed again. So I want to know how that happened, if the Knights of Ren did it. I want to know who Snoke is. Some people are speculating that Snoke is basically evil Yoda. Or Darth Plagueis. Eh, that would be so awesome. Meh. Meh. I don't think so. It'd be it'd be interesting, but I, I think that's a whole other direction they're not going to go in. I told Derek, I think what would be funny 
And I guess not funny. I, and I'm being serious. And I'm being serious. I think w- a really cool thing is. I think what would be funny while being serious. Yeah, I, I think I think what would be really cool is is here you have the Snoke character, you have this Kylo Ren, you know, emo character. And band. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, the wrangled the, unicorns. The wrangled <laughs> unicorns. Uh, <laughs> Kylo, what a lovely singing voice you have under your helmet. Tie fighter uh, confessional. <laughs> <laughs> but I <laughs> best name ever. But I would uh I I would like to see like them get together and then the Sith come back and be like, dude, you guys are just fanboys. Kill Snoke and the Sith take over and Kylo's like, Oh I love you no. guys. Oh. You know, and they'd be like, Okay, you guys are cute, but this is this you guys are just pretenders basically you know i think i would like i would like to see that it would be a crazy twist for sure yeah and and then that would give some cuz like to me who snoke is that doesn't like that doesn't rev my end i'm not sitting there like sitting there thinking like who's snoke oh my god or who's ray's parent like, that stuff doesn't to me those cliffhangers aren't what keeping me going i'm i'm more interested about just how the universe is going to interact with and the, uh, how the first order and the resistance are playing this this chess match and and basically how do they get to this point where they're in a way almost feels kind of like a stalemate where well, where they they both are existing because y- you know they can't destroy one another they're and, just both and coexisting if you, if you think about it though this is the most even both sides have been yeah. mm-hmm. because star killer base and a large chunk of the Republic have been destroyed. Yeah. And so now it's... It'd be a perfect time for the Sith to move Well, either way, it's a great evening out point. Yeah. Yeah. And now what I'm looking forward to, like you said, Bill, I want to know more about this Jedi mythology. You know, I don't want midichlorians. All right, Luke's at the first Jedi temple. Who was the first Jedi? Where did we get that? I know there's some stuff out there in the the EU. Yeah. But I want to know... Where this came from, what this is, who's the the central character in this this Jedi religion? What's Luke been doing in exile? Right. What what the heck has he been doing? Just sitting there by a campfire, maybe with R two D two. It's called TiVo, guys, <laughs> and Pornhub. <laughs> he's got that mechanical <laughs> hand for a reason, you know. <laughs> he's just catching up. He's, his, he's his going hand, through his, his DVR. His hand has Wi Fi hotspot. <laughs> he watched all ten seasons of Friends. <laughs> Yes. In a day, <laughs> I'm actually doing that round right now. Oh, there you go, nice. <laughs> the one with the mechanical hand. <laughs> <laughs> there, for for what Adam was wanting, there is support for that. Well, all, all all through Star Wars stories, there's always been another pocket or two of Sith yeah. around. And I mean, I well, and it's the balance of the Force, yeah. and that's the thing is the Force always. And so this is kind of the the whole thing. The Force looks for balance. It doesn't look for good to triumph over evil. It looks for balance, and so it looks for these times where, all right, we got some Sith, we got some Jedi, and that means essentially we're going to end in the middle. You know, Lucas borrowed from a ton of different religious aspects. Oh, yeah. Shogun, samurai. Right. But one of the things is that yin-yang. And you, you remember from, like, being in the 90s, the yin-yang, everybody wanted to draw it. But one of the, the whole concepts of the yin-yang was that, number one, when you spun it, it became gray. So that means you got evil, you got good, and each of them has a dot of each other 
in it. So even the good is a little evil and the evil is a little good. But ultimately, it's all the same damn thing and it all is a wash. It's all even. And I, I kind of see that as where Star Wars should go. I don't want to see good triumph over evil. I want to see that you can't have good without evil. You can't have evil without good. And I kind of want to see that 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 stasis point. And I know that's not going to be satisfying to people, but I think that's kind of, if you're going with that mythology of who the Jedi were and where the Sith came from and, and that kind of origin, you have to end up with this, excuse me, stasis of... Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You really can't have good. You don't know what good is. You don't have a scale of good unless there's evil out there. Yeah, no. That's a very good point. I know. <laughs> I think I think it would be cool to also see and kind of under your point Josh is is taking a look at at the Jedi and taking a look at even the Sith. What, yeah, even the Sith. What do they do? Well, what what this, do we what do, do we know about do? Sith training? And is the Sith really that bad? Or Jedi really that good? Jedi are not really that good. Sith I feel like they're pretty bad. Sith can be that bad, but at the same time I've I've seen things and read things where like I've just, seen things, man. Yeah. Heads explode like I don't know. I would just like to like know Astro droids. Yeah, I just like to know what do they do? What's their normal? Because even even the Jedi, we we really pick them up in the Clone Wars, which didn't seem like a normal occurrence. You yeah, know? like that didn't seem like a normal. And I'm not talking like day to day. I'm gonna go to the watering well, hole and I'm gonna know. go to the well, Jedi well, Temple. That's, yeah, that's you why. Know, but, I, that's why I like Clone Wars so much. Is because with at least with Obi Wan, you get a glimpse of what it's like to be a Jedi day in day out. All that you know, detective stuff he was doing that's what a jedi does they go investigate they keep the peace they they go on missions that's what a jedi does so he's so they're spec ops and they may occasionally kill some kids or kill some innocent folks oh, but God. overall they kill terrorists is i mean like that's kind of what i see though is that the jedi like like you said they're not always that good they don't really kill anybody yeah they get people killed Let's put it that way. That's fair. They get themselves no. killed. What do you want to see like, from the next yes, two Derek. two episodes, Derek? What would you like? This is your experience. See? So what do you what do you want to experience from eight and nine? What what would you like to see covered? Uh, Sith training. What goes into? We've seen Jedi training, Jedi development, but we haven't seen it from the other side. Whether that involves the real Sith coming in to take over or if it's more training from kylo ren darth and and kylo is going to complete his training snoke said yeah you know but there's only two of them they're gonna have to call darth awesome is it that formal you know the jedi had these numbers at some Mm -hmm. point they had a library and all sorts of stuff they had basically a college library still exist question um the jedi archives i think the temple is probably still on coruscant but I don't know anything about this point in the is EU. Coruscant's still there, though. It is. Yeah, it's still there. there. It's uh, in is some it turmoil. The... I almost said it's a planet, but then I remembered Alderaan. So that's not a great defense. <laughs> Just check the Alderaan. It's weather a city report. planet. <laughs> no, but like, so the very little glimpses we get in aftermath are that there's still sympathizers to the Empire, and most of them are like 
your everyday cop. And so these alliance folks go out there and they knock down a statue and then these cops are like, eh, you can't do that. And that's kind of what's going on in Coruscant is you have billions of, if not trillions of people all kind of going, yay, the Empire's dead. And then some folks that are kind of sort of associated with the Empire going, we're not really that dead. We brought some order, so here's what we're going to do. That's kind of what they, they give. There's the quote-unquote Imperial Remnant left, which is what the First Order is. It's it's just the Imperial Remnant right. called something else. But see, I almost think, though, that the First Order and the Empire, what's left over of the Empire, aren't the same. I think they are, though. Okay. Like, why, why, why do you think they're not? I just feel, though, that the Empire is still the scattered thing, and they may believe more in order, even in A New Hope. They don't necessarily. The Empire doesn't necessarily believe in this Jedi Sith thing, whereas the First Order totally is ruled by the religion of Sith, because Snoke is the ultimate order giver, even to Hux. And so Hux may be the 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 plain clo- closed cop, if you will, in the whole thing. But he's getting his orders directly from Snoke. Nobody seems to dispute that it is a religious or spiritual type of thing. Whereas even in the first one, they're like, you know, the 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 board of directors, uh, if you will, of the Death Star are like, uh, you know, your sorcerer's ways, Darth Vader, that sort of thing. They're they're very questioning of it. So yeah. I I almost think though that there may be pockets of imperials that, that are that like, was eh. that was only one person though. That I feel like the Empire was very much the same as the First Order in, in everything you just described because they got their orders from the Emperor. Maybe they did. Maybe not everyone knew for sure he was Sith, but they knew something was going on with him. I th- I'm it's gotten deep. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it on your uh, onto your side. I think when I look at the First Order, I think the First Order is the most radical version of the Empire. That is the yeah. part the remaining. That is trimming off all the fat. And that is the core of the empire there, minus all the other stuff that goes along with it. And though that, well, and if you will, if you, if you look you know. at it, the original trilogy is World War One, mm-hmm. you know, nationalism and all that stuff, and that kind of gets there. World War Two, you have the rise of, of Hitler, an extreme guy you know, that vows to put order back into it, and so that's kind of where where we sit, so you have this extreme version of, of what was going on in World War One. now oh, World War Two, first galactic empire. Yeah, I mean, Hux's speech, man. I mean, of course, if you, you couldn't have made that any more Nazism than, than, yeah. than the actual footage. I mean, that was it, right there, that little speech. They would bow to the First Order. Yeah, <laughs> little redhead dude. It does give me chills. Like his his speech, like actually, not scares me, but like it makes me step back for a second. I mean, look at his face. Look at his yeah. eyes. That he dude is, felt that. Crap. He is physically upset when he says that speech. <laughs> yeah, man. To me, the First Order is. They had to put in an oscillator. Yeah, <laughs> they're like a group to me that represents <laughs> the. One more layer, man. That's all they need is yeah. one more, like I mean, two we, more columns, man. Do we had to put anything more over this? I mean, who's gonna know that this? <laughs> it is was an, an inside job. <laughs> the oscillator I mean, was an inside job. 
Steel doesn't melt in fire. <laughs> I mean, we're talking that someone's going to have to fly their little plane through an <laughs> opening to just get inside to take this thing out. We don't need any more extra armor and, on this. No. And buildings anywhere else, man, nearby, man. they collapsed. What happened with that? It's an inside job. Josh, Josh, we're not going to go work on a, on a Saturday when we can go over to the cantina and watch them Crimson Tide play. No, hey. We're roll tide. We're going on Saturday. To Who's watch that Crips new girl they added to the band in that uh, first? Man, I'm telling you what, the big, big blue chick. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, special edition, first movie. They Derek, edited the music. What were you going to say? Please stop this. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I'm so, kidding. Real quick, what was the point of adding and changing the music in? A New Hope. Because George Lucas is a sadist. I don't know. Best song in all of them, Duel of the Fates. That's up there. Yeah, eh, yeah, it's definitely up there. Imperial March, yeah, Duel of the Fates. That's iconic. Yeah. To, to answer your one of your original questions, Josh. I would, them all out there. I would put um, Force Awakens at... Uh, you're talking about Duel of the Fates? Yeah, I don't know which one that one is. Which one's that? Dun, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one is good. Yeah. Wire? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Anyway. So good. So good. Second or third. So it's... It It changes. It definitely changes the order. I would put, you know, Empire, and it it goes between New Hope and Force Awakens. Wow. So we're ranking, like, top three? I, Just, I rank yeah, it top I mean, three. Give, give, you know your order. Well, best okay. trilogy. It, 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 was, it was if it was if Force Awakens cracks your order or not. Like yeah. your top order. It's either two or three yeah. for me. Really, Empire would be one, and then I think I would probably put because I actually liked Force Awakens more than A New Hope. Fair. Yeah, I can see that. Fair. To me, it, it was similar to A New Hope, but I think it was a better movie. The only mm. problem that I have there. Is when you compare Ray and Luke. Yeah. Ray is and way more badass. Yeah, and people give her give that some crap. I actually like the fact that Luke was more whiny farm boy. But Well, he was a kid that had no idea what he was doing. Right. Whereas Ray, I loved how downtrodden go back and watch just the beginning of the movie and shut it off. Because I've had to do that way too many times. Play just before Ray gets involved in the whole thing. Look at how terrible her life is. And that's kind of why I love Ray as a character, but I also hate that she's. She had badass. no blue milk. No, no blue milk? No. Now I put Force Awakens 2 and then Jedi 3rd. Hmm. Wow. So New, new Hope 4th. Yeah. New New Hope will always crack that top three because of the opening shot. Yeah, yeah, that is iconic. I'll, I I, mean, I would go New Hope one. Wow. I'd save Force Awakens two, hmm. um, Empire three. No wow. Jedi. So Force basically cracks everyone's top three. Does it not crack your top it's, three? It's number three for me. No, so it does and crack your top. Yeah. Three. So it, it's going to be Empire, New Hope. Force Awakens, then Jedi. But see, I kind of go back and forth between Sith and Jedi. But yeah, I would probably put Jedi there because of the lightsaber battle and then you know, go on from there with the prequels. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Attack of the Clones is my favorite. I will say this. <laughs> I think the, the, the lightsaber battle in Force Awakens beats any of the prequel lightsaber yeah, battles. Yeah, and... Raw emotion. Because it's, it's all emotion. It wasn't so... It was the like, two of them, if you think about it, they really don't know what they're doing. Even, even, no, when, even yeah. when Finn picks up the lightsaber and starts the battle, it, it, you, you get this just sense of like a real I, emotion in it. Whereas, and something that would really happen. Yeah. I agree it had the most emotion, if not like the actual most, since Jedi. However, the Anakin-Obi-Wan duel had its fair share of like... It, and it was, was over choreographed. It too, yeah, it's over choreographed. Yeah, it, 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 it was all choreographed. Um, but out of all of them, I think it had the most emotion. The other thing that I loved, and this is kind of like one of those like cinematic things, I loved that they used light up lightsabers in the actual filming. So yeah. that so you get the you get the the glare of the light off of their face. I think that was something from Jedi that was so cool is is obviously, you know, when the power goes out and you have what Vader and Luke kind of that in that the dark hole in the dark. I think that really gives it I think that's something they captured in that Right. Film. And yeah. so you get some realness there and to compare that and this is one of the first things that I noticed and bothered me right off the get-go of Phantom Menace. Qui-Gon used his lightsaber as a magic wand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It melts this, but it doesn't melt that. But it melts this, and I'm going to use it, and I'm going to twist it this way. It's going to melt the door open. It was a magic wand, not just a sword. You know what I mean? And I think they used it in Jedi and in a Force Awakens, in the Force Awakens, more as a sword than hey, it's my magic MacGuffin tool. Well, um, Lucas always said when they were filming the original trilogy for um, because Hamill wanted to do more acrobatic type things and Luke's like no this is like Excalibur right it's heavy. It, it's, it's heavy you know you have to treat this like Excalibur and then went went to the processed you know slick sword fighting which is cool to watch but to your guys's point there there's little to no emotion right yeah. taking a look at the force awakens you sit there and you look at that lightsaber battle you almost get the sense of of what differs from the from the prequels is that you have these Th- ultimately, uh, for that battle, three mm-hmm. participants that almost really don't quite know what they're doing. Yeah, they don't know you, their place in the universe. They, they don't, don't know. really know. Whereas, whereas the other one, the 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 Vader Obi Wan from from Sith, was very much pretty much your cream of the crop. These are you're going to be your two best fighters. If you had to throw in two gladiators, this is what it would look like. Whereas yeah. this was, the, you know, the Force Awakens was very. We don't. No one's really ever taught us how to do this, so we're coming at it very primal. Yeah, you know. And I think that was was so cool. It wasn't refined. It wasn't. I've trained to do that. This is. I'm just getting into it, and I'm doing. I loved Kylo punching his wound so that he could keep fighting. I love that, and see, that's why I love the character of Kylo Ren because it's this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just pissed. Yeah, I mean, he he was trained. I've I've. Obviously, he was trained. I think he was punching his wound, and he got so immersed in the dark that he got so pissed off and angry because he's like, I know what I'm doing. Right. And you two don't know what the hell right. you're doing. I've been trained. You are nothing. And think about this, though. 
We saw the power of Chewie's bow blaster, crossbow, and whatever. He took it, and he took it like yeah. a champ. To, he took like to borrow from Negan. five or six slashes with a saber. <laughs> he took a bowcaster to the Dude. abdomen. Mm-hmm. Kylo Ren's a badass. Yeah, and he's not missing limbs and doesn't look like Fat Billy Joel at the end of it. Speaking of Kylo Ren taking a blast from Chewie's crossbow, yeah. what what was your guys' reaction to the Han Solo death scene? It had to happen. I, I was happen. projected from a mile away. Yeah, and yeah, I you saw knew, it happen. You knew it was coming, but man, did it rip your heart out when it, it still, happened. It still does. Yeah. yeah. Still my, only, my only major dislike of the film. <gasps> no, see, to me, though, so the worst part about that movie is Harrison Ford's acting. It's atrocious, and you could tell that he could give a... better than the original. It is, and it's terrible. He could give a crap less about yeah. being in that movie. And maybe it's because he broke his ankle or whatever it I've, was. Well, no, because he's always been kind of... I've never understood his attitude towards his success and fame. He always, like, curses himself for his fame or whatever. Like, dude, you got to be Indiana Jones, Han Solo... Like um, but why does he want to? Why does he have this desire to still be Indiana Jones but not Han Solo? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I have I no mean, idea. And see, that's the thing is he's always wanted. He's never liked the space thing. And I remember one of the interviews where Daisy Ridley's talking about. All right, I went to Harrison Ford and said, "All right, you did this for three films. How do you fly the Millennium Falcon?" And his answer was, "I don't know. It's all fake." Make it up. I don't care. And it tells me a lot about... He just... He didn't care about that character. No. And so if you go back and watch it, he versus Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher was invested in it. I don't think Harrison Ford was really invested in it. I think he was kind of like, all right, cool, kill me. All right, that sounds great. I have, Let's get this over with. I have no doubt in my mind that part of the agreement that happened to him coming back was that he'd be killed off. Yeah, and so that's why that, I saw He wanted that away. to happen in Empire. Yeah. He wanted... The whole freezing and carbonite thing was a plot device to be able to not bring him back. Yeah. And the money is eventually what brought him back. And I have a feeling that's what brought him back for... For you know, episode seven, just I just throw a bunch of money at him. And I, when he died, I was like, "Well, that makes sense because it makes sense for the story. See, it makes yeah. sense for him as a person outside of the movie. So it's fine." See, I like I liked him in the film. I thought he lent a perspective that that yeah, you could step away from this whole grand adventure to kind of slip back into normalcy. I liked that. And and uh, to me, that's what I liked about it. I thought he was funny in it. I thought he brought that same kind of Han Solo charm to it. And I, I think On he was a lot like he was in the, the originals, you know? And I think some of it is that I don't really care kind of aspect that and the a, nonchalantness, a, too. But I think also some of that might be Han Solo. It, it could character. be. And at the same time, to I don't know who you'd give credit to, maybe J.J., um, on top of all that, he managed to also slip in the Obi Wan dying mentor role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just another reflection of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. The mentor exactly. dying. Exactly. Just every stanza rhymes. 
So I, one of the things I had not heard, but was brought up on my Facebook post, was that the theory was that Han Solo was the one that hit the button on the lightsaber and killed himself. Meh. I don't think so. I don't see it, but I just wanted to bring that up because it was there. I can kind of see that he was sacrificing himself to bring more humanity to Ben, but ultimately I see that as Ben ending that internal conflict if, yeah, it, if you, it, I think you're exactly right that that's what it was because he actually, I'm pretty sure Kylo actually voiced that, that the conflict was over. Yeah. And he had referenced the conflict the whole movie. I, it's an interesting notion, you know, to think about like, oh, well, he killed himself for Ben, but why? Why would he kill himself? He was trying to save his son. He was trying to, Leia wanted him to bring his son home. Right. And he went on to that. Um, scaffold or whatever to do that and if you look at his face when the lightsaber is activated he's shocked yeah yeah he he's actually surprised he's like oh well shit that didn't work and he falls you know um however i loved leia's reaction it was kind she of could like feel a result. through the force. That she could feel through the force. Not so much that. Uh, well, that too. But when Ray got back, it was kind of this. Now there, there's a big like issue with that that I had. The hug yes. thing or whatever. The fact that she hugged a girl that she barely knew, but just completely walked by Chewie, who she's known for thirty years. And I think JJ meant like he has answered he that. did an interview and he said that that was the wrong thing to do yeah. and he regretted doing it. See, and I. So and I hate to it, say it's all going to go back. I think to who Ray is, but yeah. see, I don't think that thinking about Chewie's relationships, he only had that relationship with one person. Yeah, you he know, had the, he had the life debt. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't have that same relationship with Leia, even though they may have known each other for years. I mean, she called him a walking carpet from the get go. You know, I, I don't. I don't see that as that offensive. I do see that Leia as Force-sensitive and obviously somebody who turned away from being one with the Force. Seeing someone else who is Force-sensitive, who hasn't chosen the Force, I see that as the reason for the hug. I see that that is kind of this cosmic, man, you and I both see and feel the same things, and we both haven't chosen that path. Whereas Luke, before he even knew he was Force-sensitive, he was called to train as a Jedi. You know, there was no mention of him, like, feeling the Force or anything like that. It was like, oh, yeah, you know what? Your dad was a Jedi, so let's do this thing. Yeah. Whereas the two of them both had these inklings of Force sensitivity, but they never realized it, or at least haven't realized it yet. And that's why I think that that hug's important. And I also think that Leia's reaction is kind of this resolved, this, you know what, that was going to happen. She knew, you know, in some sense or form, she knew that that was going to happen. What's what's Kylo's motiva- motivation in all this besides, or is it, is, or is it as simple as being, I just want to be like, I hope that's, Papa. I don't, I don't, I don't think <laughs> grandpa. it's Grandpa. I don't <laughs> I think I want to be pops. like you, Grandpa. No, Papa. I, Papa. I don't, I don't think it's that simple. I think that's something that they need to reveal and immediately in the next movie, so they good. No, well, I was about to say though, like it is semi-explained that Snoke seduced him right while he was training with Luke. Mm-hmm. So it means that either Luke was a terrible trainer, 
or that he was too early in the process and Snoke kind of laid this out and planned it. But he seduced him. I think Kylo was too old. Uh, he's far he's too, too old. old. He will uh, not be trained. He will not be he trained. He is too old. But so that's kind of where it's coming from is though that Kylo, he doesn't know any better. He's kind yeah. of he's kind of been conditioned. And then what he does see is that, man, you know what? Who was the most powerful person? It was probably my grandfather. And my grandfather had one thing that he didn't accomplish. He left that one blip on the radar, that one last Jedi. He didn't know about him. So now let's finish that. If I complete his mission and get rid of the Jedi, we can have peace and order in the galaxy. I honestly think that he thinks that that's the best course of action, whether it's seduced or not. I think that he says, you know what, if we get rid of the Jedi, life is going to be a lot better for me and for the the universe. Sounds exactly like what Palpatine said to Anakin. Bingo. I, I, I think it's hilarious that through everything Anakin did as himself, as Vader, as a Jedi, as a Sith, he never became master of anything. The highest, the apprentice. The highest he has ever gotten is a Jedi Knight. He never became a master, even though he was appointed to the Council, and he was always a Sith apprentice. Although he did tell Obi Wan, "Now I am the master. Now I am the master." Again, because we had no idea about the Emperor. Neither did Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that line though. Like yeah. even though it continuity wise, it makes zero sense. It's a such an iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite lightsaber battle? Ooh. I actually, I'm going to go Empire still. We, we've said a lot about the Force Awakens battle. That's my second favorite. I, I honestly that, love. That is number two as well. See, I honestly love that Empire Strikes Back. Darth Vader being so polished. Luke being so raw. Holding his own right up until that point where he loses his arm. But like I loved that because Luke had this fear, this this emotion, and Darth Vader was as cool and calm and collected as ever. Hell yeah! And I loved the lighting, man. That lighting, and yeah. it, of course, it's very period esque. It's it's very relevant to the era. Era, but I loved that orange, smoky. To me, if I was gonna get like one picture framed from that original trilogy, it is the two of them. In the, the lightsabers crossed. Yeah, crossed right yep. there with the smoke coming up, the orange lighting. Even you mentioned how cool and collected he was. Even to, this speaks to how much of a badass he was because he most of his body was mechanical and he wasn't fast, but he was powerful. At one point, he just puts his lightsaber down with both hands and just starts force hurling. That yeah. exactly. Luke. And Luke is sitting there, you know, yelling and 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 kind of, you know. Dodging bullets, if you will, and I just I think that that's a very up until the Force Awakens, it's the most raw battle. There's but, a there's a point in that battle that I love. Up until they're fighting on the bridge, right before Luke gets his hand chopped off, you can tell that Vader's kind of toying with him. Yeah, and then Luke's on the bridgeway and everything. Then he goes back through that door, and then you can see Vader flips a switch. Like, okay, now it's time to get serious, and then he just goes on the attack. And see, to me, my favorite part is when 
Vader thinks that he's got Luke right there in the, the carbonite, and then Luke jumps out of it, and Vader's going, oh, this is what I'm doing. Okay, well, all right. Well, this guy, and to your point, it's one of those, well, crap, I've really got to step up my game. Yeah. I haven't done this in a while, you know, but I love it. Impressive. Most yep. impressive. Which, which I, I think it's impressive that we've actually held back as many quotes as we have. The reverence. Ancient weapons and hokey religions are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. I don't think it is. No. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I do like my blasters, man. I yeah. mean, yeah. so uncivilized. Do, do stormtroopers carry them? No. I mean, and the Empire had their choice. Hey, let's give you a sword or, you know, let's give you a blaster. Yeah. Give them blasters. <laughs> my favorite would be. Luke versus Vader from Return of the Jedi. And close second would be Rey and Kylo from Force Awakens. It's iconic, especially with the score. Like, yeah. I, I've never heard... I don't... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've heard that score anywhere else. In especially the when the choir comes in as Luke goes on the attack after Vader says the line about Leia. Mm-hmm. Like, you just see the tease of Luke slipping yeah. and taking, you know, his dad's place. It, it's just so good. Uh, that would be my favorite. The score, um, it kind of reminds me of the RoboCop score a little bit. Um, after he takes Vader's arm. Mm-hmm. What? We went RoboCop? <laughs> oh, That's we something RoboCop? I haven't thought of in a while. Sorry. The score, not the, Yeah, no, but I mean, like, in that movie. Of all the things I've thought of, I didn't go back and go, you know what? The RoboCop score. No, I mean, and I, that's what I love about you, Bill. <laughs> but, uh, I like... Didn't think of it. Sorry, <laughs> but continue, Bill. Continue. The, the, just the taper off of the score after he cuts off the um, cuts off Vader's arm, and you see the. Now in hindsight, it's almost a Joker face because it's Hamill, so you associate Joker with Hamill now. Just that scrunched up grin of satisfaction he has, and the score tapers off of like. Luke's fucking lost it. Luke's fucking lost it. Mm-hmm. Now that's what I'm gonna sing every now, like every time now. I I, I like the the Force Awakens one. I I think might be my favorite. Uh, Jedi Jedi's got a good one. I actually still like the Phantom Menace one. Oh, just yeah, because that was really good too. The mall fight. Just because yes. everything led up to that that moment. Because you, you know you got a little bit of the tease of Darth Maul. Uh, on Tatooine, you, it, it built very well up to that moment where you know he was well trained in the Jedi arts. <laughs> I'm not sure, but he was well trained in the Jedi arts. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem I had with that is I would have loved to have seen either Obi Wan or Qui Gon, probably Obi Wan, be less choreographed. Yes. One of them needed to stumble around. I loved seeing Darth Maul being like. I'm the badass. Look at me. And I'm not going to lie. Each one of you guys shit your pants when he brought out a double Oh, absolutely. Saber. I did not see that coming. I don't know if it was in the trailer. It I was don't in know. all was... the trailers. And that was I the, don't know. The I didn't toys see the trailer. came and see, like, I was one of those people who I still do. Even Force Friday for Rogue One, I went out and got the toys. So there was a Force Friday for Rogue One. It was Rogue Friday or whatever. And there was like 25 people. Toys R Us was the only one open. They had six of each item, and the first six people bought every single one of them. 
but I got a free Funko shirt. I got um, for Force Friday for um, Force Awakens. I got from Toys R Us the exclusive Kylo Ren poster. Yeah, they gave me a poster, but I don't think the poster survived. Oh, yeah. But I got the free Funko shirt, and that yeah. was it. Uh, I, yeah, can't complain about free stuff. No, they they apparently for Force Awakens had a um, distribution problem, and earlier that day the manager had to go to like a mobile store or something and get more product. The problem with the Toys R Us one was that they were sent six of all of the exclusives, all the good stuff. Sounds like the mini NES. Yeah. Yeah. I I was hoping there would be another release for Black Friday for that. Yeah. yeah we we won't get into that on but, this episode. Yeah, so far I'm 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 good to go with all my Black series. That's the only toy I still collect, but anyway. Last question to round up this round table. Square. We are at the round table again. We are. We're back. It is there. actually round. It's always been round. Well, I mean, yes, this table has mm-hmm. always been round. Eddie's going to premiere in like less than a quarter of this episode. I'm sorry, Eddie. We, we Is that love his name? Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> something. I can't. I can't. Yeah. It's on the tip of my tongue. Freddy? What does Star Wars mean to you? Oh, man. Like I said earlier, I grew up with it. And it wasn't. At the time, I thought it was just a movie, a set of toys. Because I was also loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and WWF at the time, but there's a definite like passing of the torch for my brother to me to now to my daughter, and I didn't realize it until I had a kid, and I had a kid that maybe it was forced, maybe it was accidental, whatever. Hey, you guys are right over there. Sorry. Did you break a chair? No, the chair's already <laughs> broke. <laughs> It's already it's been in the hair. It was the pizza. <laughs> um, no, but like seeing the oh, man, that, that sounds dangerous over there. <laughs> uh, no, but in all honesty, seeing that I get to start this whole Star Wars journey again with someone and get to show them kind of the ways of the Force. And it's so funny, too, because we had a BB-8 birthday party for my kid. We had, just today in the mail, someone sent us our fourth BB-8 Christmas ornament. You know, like, and it's all because she's just so obsessed with it. And I remember being her age and, like, the delight I got in it. And I hope to God in, in 30 years she's sitting around a round table drinking beer, sitting there going... Damn it, Han shot first, you know, like, <laughs> or or whatever it is. Like, I hope that's that's still there because, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, it got popular. It may have been the special effects, it may have been the story, whatever it is, that became the most popular movie, really of all time, the most popular movie series of all time, in the right era for all of us because we're roughly the same age. And then it's kept going at a, an appropriate pace to to keep us interested. And so, to me, there hasn't been a point in my life where I haven't had Star Wars. And it's just like my favorite band. Star Wars is always there. Nickelback? It'll, yes. Um, 
whenever I'm in a bad mood, I can throw Star Wars on. I can use a Star Wars quote in any, you know, significant life experience. And when episode eight comes out, I'll still have a tear coming out of my eye. So there you go. I think for me, Derek, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fantasy, you know, it's, that's what it is. It's not, it's not. Is this real life? (laughs) Right. It's a little Bohemian Rhapsody. It's, it's, you know, it's a whole nother world that not just that one person ultimately came up with, but so many people have put so much effort into creating, you know, it's kind of taken on its own. And even to Bill, I mean, you've been you've been telling us all about that extended universe. But I mean, it's all the people, even from the good, bad to the ugly, you know, of the, all the different stories that people have made to add on to it. It's kind of it's kind of cool in that sense that that you can you can kind of add on to a to a universe that might not necessarily be out there, but um, you can make it as real as possible, you know, and and kind of take you away from the universe that we live in right now. So, I think I think that that it, that's what it means to me is is that kind of ability to create a whole new world, and even though someone has already created so much in it, still create more. A whole new world. See, Sorry. I re- I, re- I restrained from doing that. Ties back to the Disney podcast. Um, Star Wars is Star Wars is family and adventure in a galaxy far, far away. Kind of going off on what all three of you said. Like Josh, I grew up watching Star Wars. I remember like yesterday, my parents taking me to see the the special edition uh, in 97, being really excited for Phantom Menace. My opinion of it has changed as I've gotten older. And I think really, I look at the franchise from two different perspectives. The kid in me is still there when it comes to Star Wars, because You know, I have all these things that I love, like my different fandoms, but Star Wars has and always will be number one. And there's not a close second because I have so many good memories. Pose for a selfie here. You didn't need to, like, stop. Oh, no. All right. So, anyway, uh, post-selfie topic. Um, Star Wars, for me... As corny as it might sound, it's more than just a movie. It's more than just a video game. It's more than just a book, more than just a comic. It's it's kind of life in a way. It's a big part of my life. Like I look forward every year now to seeing a new Star Wars movie. I love, you know, I've loved introducing it to my younger cousins to other friends who have never seen the movies before. It's kind of a family tradition in a way. You know, I hadn't been to the movies with my parents in over a decade, and we went to see Force Awakens opening weekend. And I'll say this in closing, I cannot wait to introduce Star Wars to Adam's nephew, Gavin. So on that note, thank you guys. Derek, Derek. Yes. I love you. I love you more. You ruined it. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining me again for another fantastic roundtable. I think this is the best one we've ever done. This is definitely the best one. This is my favorite. My absolute favorite. We'll have to come back for another one. Round two. Round two. So much that has not been discussed. This was crazy. It's like I think of more stuff. Lightsaber colors, yo. I almost asked. Blue for the win. Red. I go red. Green. No, I go green. I go green. I'm. I'm sorry. I go, isn't there I'm an like asshole. an amber? Isn't there, there like there's a yellow shade? There, there, yellow. There, there is an orange, amberish, and then yes, there is a yellow. What's the meaning Colors of the like orange and yellow? You. I. I, I actually don't know. Uh, I, I don't know the meaning. If you're listening to this, Facebook us and tell us what the meanings are. I could. Yeah. I could Google it, but I'd rather. I know. Come I know. Corn Horn made the yellow popular. He had I. I would like crystals. to go tapioca. <laughs> <laughs> when when I start when my metachlorians get uh, get get going, I'm actually doing my metachlorians kind of like on the black market, Lance Armstrong style, <laughs> blood dome. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Bye, You're Derek. welcome. Bye. My thanks again to Adam, Josh, and Bill for joining me on another fantastic roundtable discussion, and we'll definitely be doing more in the near future. And speaking of the near future, this show will be taking a couple of weeks off due to the holidays, but we'll be back in January on a new day. Uh, this show will be moving to Tuesdays starting on January 3rd. Uh, we'll be having a new day, a new logo, new music, kind of a, a soft reboot, if you will, for the Derek Diamond experience. And I'm really excited to announce my first guest for 2017 will be voice actor and upcoming Pensacon guest, Carlos Alizacri, who you may know as the voice of Rocco in Rocco's Modern Life, but he was also the voice of the Taco Bell dog, uh, Mr. Crocker and the Fairly Odd Parents. He was Deputy James Garcia in Reno 911. Really nice guy, really funny. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And for those of you who live in the Pensacola area, you'll definitely be excited to meet him at Pensacon after you hear this interview. But until then, you can check out past episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. If you want to follow me on social media, my Twitter page is at Derek underscore Diamond. The show page is at DDE underscore podcast. And you can also search for The Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook. And that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Go see Rogue One. Don't post any spoilers online for those who haven't seen it. Have a safe and enjoyable holiday, uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, whichever one you might celebrate. Happy holidays, safe travels, and we'll see you guys back on Tuesday, January 3rd. This has been Derek Diamond with the Derek Diamond Experience. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.